It's Monday the 13th of February and this is Two Grown Men Live. Hello. Hello. How did that go? Did that go well? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. So, so you didn't you didn't say welcome, welcome to the all of your bump that you say normally before you'd actually started Mixler up then. Yeah, I said that. Right. Okay. Good. Just check in. Yeah. Uh. Oh dear. Hang on. Oh, you okay? Oh dear. What's happened? Uh. Nothing. Nothing untoward has happened. Oh, are you having a... Is that alt truth that you're telling me there? Nothing untoward has happened. I was definitely recording. It's okay. It's okay, Nick, because the the Generation X have got this, so don't worry about it at all. But aren't I Generation X? Yeah, which is what worries me. Did you see the article in The Independent today? I didn't. I saw the tweet you did about the... Um, I only read headlines these days. Mm. I feel more like a millennial, really. Yeah, you act more like one. Um, but the, oh, yeah, uh, okay. Don't the, know what that means. The, the gist of the article is uh, Generation X are the best and mm. uh, we can uh, build uh, a bridge between the millennials and the baby boomers who are both useless and feckless. Uh, is, I think, I think the gist of that of that article, but um, I have less faith in my generation than I think the writer does. I am. Um, that <clears throat> sounds so. That sounds like bullshit to me. Well, it sounds an awful lot like it, doesn't it? If it isn't actually bullshit, it sounds very uh, close to it, like in bullshit's proximity. It's in the same, possibly the same cul-de-sac as bullshit. Yeah, I mean. Uh, to be mm-hmm. honest, you drifted kind of into J.G. Ballard obsession with streets and stuff and uh, urbanity there, and I got a bit lost. Contacts are the ones that just go round I, and round and in fractals thought, and then um, end up nowhere, right? I thought J.G. Ballard was like more of an audio bullies kind of guy. I didn't know what that R- Rather is. than the streets. Oh, it was a music reference. It was uh, it was a dad joke. I think is probably the if the you, nicest thing you can call that. If um, if our generation had been enabled more to mm. the point where we thought we could have made stuff, I reckon you'd have been uh, a, a, the sort of person who was um, writing and publishing, like f- photocopying their own music zines during the nineties. If you'd if you'd had even the slightest inkling that people might want to read something that you'd thought, I reckon well, you'd have done that. You've got loads t- of thoughts about music. You've got such a such a strong thinky brain when it comes to music. I, I feel like you're trolling me in real life. No, I'm not. Okay. I'm being sincere. It's just that I don't know how to be uh, sincere and complimentary without making it, making it sound like... Well, it's a really heady <laughs> you've combination. You've known me long enough to know this. <laughs> It's a really heady combination in so much as I don't know how to take a compliment uh-huh. and you don't know how to give a compliment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But um, mm. I think we're doing okay so far. You told me, uh, before we started recording, mm. um, I told you that I didn't have anything to talk about this week. And you yeah. said, oh, okay, well, I don't have anything to talk. And I cut you off and said, uh, we'd best not talk about it now, we should save it for the show, yeah. because we don't want to use up all that material. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, but it turns out you did have something to talk well, about. Well, I've done the topic already, haven't I? And, that, and the topic good. is the topic is our generation is going to save everybody. Yeah, but of course we're not. Does the writer not realise that it was us who burnt down all the fucking bridges in the first place? Yeah, I think that's possibly part of the problem, isn't it? Uh, a, a generation brought up to believe that possibly there was a reachable utopian ideal and then and then we all got a bit jaded and things really went to hell. Yeah. I mean, you I... know, it's a generation built almost entirely upon hedonism. I mean, how how well can it go? Head and shoulders and ism. Apparently, that was one of our one of our great strengths. Is we know how to uh, party hard and to work hard. It's like no, I I I've almost feel like I've got a body that partied entirely too hard, and now would like the party not one little bit at all. Thank you very much. I do not want to become a parody of my own self, even though it is possibly too late for that. But was the writer of that article? Both white and male. Well, well, of course, Nick, the writer was white and male. I think if you want an illustration of our, a perfect illustration of our generation, right? You know, you know, Danny Dyer's character in Human Traffic. Oh, vaguely, vaguely yeah, remember him. Right? So you look at him, and that's that's us in our youth. Hello. Hey, 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 hey! How's it going, you big Cockney space case? Shatty. Listen, did you manage to shift that ticket for tonight's spiritual gathering? Ah, oh, mate, no, not at all, no. Oh, nice one! Why, who needs one? Lulu. Oh, sweet as, sweet as, mate. Cool, cool. I'll catch you later, mate. Don't go changing, try and please me, all right? Yeah, nice one, bruv, yeah. Oh, nice one, brother. Nice one, brother. Nice one, brother. I said, nice, bruv. Nice one, brother. I said, nice, bruv. Fucking nice one, brother. Nice one, bruv. Bye-bye. Fuck off! And now look at him now. Couldn't wait to have a boy because as much as, you know, I love my girls with all my heart, I was sick of trying to put a bikini on a Barbie. Honestly, it's graft, mate. He is the perfect embodiment of Generation X to me. I, um, well, I mean, maybe for you because he talks in that Cockney accent, but, like, that sort of jokey Cockney accent that isn't really Cockney, but, but for me, I can't relate to that. I only start sounding like that after five minutes of talking to you. No, I, I was saying he's more a metaphor for our oh, for he's our a metaphor. generation, rather okay. than, yeah, a metaphor rather than being, um, you know, because he's not like me at all, is he? She comes home with his own work. It's, it is fucking ridiculous. I cannot get me nut around it. I can't do it. I mean, the Chad homework once it was, it was like name seven magnets. I was like, what a fridge magnet? Uh. He's very successful. Exactly. At whatever it is he does. Yeah, but he, whatever it is he does, he seems to do very well and people want to reward him for it constantly. <sighs> do you know Do you know what, and, though? And, I, but, and by all modern measures of success, that must be it, surely. I was um, watching a video of him with the sound down, which is generally the best way, but Channel 4 uh, did a video of him talking about parenting mm. and actually I, I really liked mm. him for the duration of it. Wow. <laughs> he, he just... He just seemed utterly shattered by the whole experience. Oh, well, that um, makes him seem more trustworthy. I defy anyone on this planet to give me seven magnets. Name me three fucking magnets now, you. There's only one. There's a fridge magnet and no other magnet. It's bollocks. Yeah, if I remember, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Look, you 
are an aberration in this way. And, no, and I'm think, not an aborigine, Nick. I think that's very offensive to the First Peoples. And I think I might be too in that um, the a lot of the people I know, a lot of the people I meet, some of the people I meet, I'm doing that thing that Donald Trump does where I'm claiming that like I meet loads of people who do this. But it seems like there are lots of people who put a lot of energy into making it appear that they are confident and chilled out about everything else. But then when it comes to parenting, uh, just act like it's a complete shambles and it's like having a, a little um, Tasmanian devil in the house and they can't cope with it and it's an absolute nightmare and they fall apart and their their perfectly ordered life has been thrown into chaos. And I think you and I are kind of the, almost the exact negative opposite of that. Oh, she's definitely more calm and stable than I am. Yeah, yeah. Um I am um, not to throw anything throw anybody under the bus. Let's say in fact talking of buses, let's say it's people that I overhear on the bus every morning and that way um if anybody from my actual day-to-day life in here in Southampton does hear it, they won't be able to draw any conclusions. But, but, but I hear it. but for the listener when you hear uh, uh people on the bus, what what you really mean is people at work. Just so I'm clear. <laughs> Just so I'm entirely clear. But I'm pretty sure I've talked about it before. There are a couple of people who make it sound like their children are the the biggest chore ever. Until you say to them, God, God, they sound like a real chore. It sounds like you really don't like being a parent. At which point they start banging on like it's the, the most miraculous miracle ever. And the thing is, I suspect that Mary and Joseph didn't do that. You know, I think maybe they talked about how much of a miracle it was, but I bet they didn't spend all the rest of their time fucking complaining. I tell you what, right about nappies and stuff. I tell you what, I'm I'm prepared to to bet money that I don't have on yeah. the fact that Mary didn't really want to talk too much about the conception and birth of Jesus too much at all. Yeah, maybe actually, you uh, might Mary, you might uh, be onto something about that virgin birth. Oh. Oh, I've, I've twisted my ankle, Joseph. Is there anything you can do to help me? Oh, I'm in a lot of pain. We better change the subject on account of the pain I'm now in. In the period, it's <clears throat> that's really insensitive because in the period of time where um, where this is all happening, if if Mary uh, even had a pretend uh, twisted ankle, uh, her whole leg would probably end up going gangrenous and dropping off. Yeah, that's and then how she'd that was. <clears throat> yeah, they, they all died at about thirty anyway, so. Well, and they're all long dead now. I don't know why I'm. I mean, to the point where like you wonder whether their existences were ever particularly worthwhile, <clears throat> or uh, or or really existed. Yeah, it's it's almost like everything you do, every second of every day, is absolutely and entirely pointless. It's almost like that. Yeah, are you all right there? You sound like you've got a bit of a cold. Yeah, I think I might have a bit of a cold coming on. I I I thought I had a bit of a depression today, but I think it might just be a cold coming on. Oh, I've been Isn't... gloomy today, Nick. I've been gloomy. Uh, I mean, that it. I don't. Mm. I don't want to be a prick about it, James. But, mm. but like, it's a pretty much a fifty-fifty split with you, anyway, isn't it? Well, at the moment, um, uh, I sit opposite a colleague uh, uh-huh. who uh, has diabetes, as apparently do I. Well, uh-huh. we'll see. I'm going to the do doctors you have tomorrow. Diabetes, though? Well, we'll see. I'm going to the doctors tomorrow, so I hope to be able to give some clarity on the subject after then. Can but... you tell them that the podcast? It's <laughs> like you've gone on record now 
uh, and at least 40 people have listened to yeah. it at some point. So you would like to not be misleading the public. Well, worse than that, my, my colleague with um, uh, diabetes has written a risk assessment for our department with regards to individuals with diabetes. And uh, he, he put down a few of the symptoms that you might be able to um, tell if they're about to go into a, a hypoglycemic coma. Rage. All right, no, yeah. not hypoglycemic. Oh, I don't know. But um, uh, all of the symptoms, I said to him, Steve, because that's his name, it's, it's really right. nice if you to have done this, really thoughtful, but you do realise that all of these symptoms are also symptoms of my depression. <laughs> it's not helpful, is it? No. It's like, well, I don't want people shoving a Mars bar in my mouth when I'm just feeling depressed. Cause, no, because then your body uh, image issues will take hold. and Exactly. Nice as the Mars bar is, as soon as I eat it, I feel immediately guilty. And then you haven't helped the diabetes at all. You've raised my blood sugar, and oh, it all gets very complicated when you're dealing with multiple chronic conditions. Yeah. But you might not have diabetes. Who knows? You it do might understand... have just been an aberration, like the doctor said. Because you've been talking about having diabetes for a while, you do mm. know that you can't just you can't just claim to have something just because it feels like you might have something and go on about how you've got something all the time, even though there might not be any medical evidence for it. And if you get told that you don't have it, you know that you can't keep claiming you've got it, right? Do you think I've got diabetes by Dr. Munchausen syndrome proxy? Yeah. Maybe you've got not diabetes. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I've... Maybe I've got a very similar, uh, very similar ailment to yourself. Yeah, I think may- maybe you do. Maybe you do. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of. I'm having a bit of a problem at the moment because work is. I know it's a bit of a surprise to you because I maybe maybe for all of those years I was talking about how difficult some of the people mm. I worked with were, and then I maybe didn't talk that much about it for a few months. So I know it was a bit of a surprise to you recently about. Um, it was a bit of a surprise to you recently that I'm actually really enjoying some of the people I work with at the moment. There is a surprise. And, and um, I thought you were going to say more then, but you, I, you stopped. I was, but then I realised that you were in the middle of a thought, so I was going to suggest something uh, like a, 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 a top of, topic of conversation. So you you thought I might be in the middle of a thought, so you stopped. <laughs> I might, yeah, I know. I might need I know. to recalibrate. <laughs> Told you I didn't feel well. Um, I, I really don't know what what to say. No, so um, a, I don't a new believe colleague, that for a minute. A new uh, someone who's worked at worked at the university for a while, who I have talked to before, but now um, is is doing some work in in our team. So it was in our office was there today, and she's really nice too. Um, and uh, and so I'm I'm I've got this. It's quite an unusual problem for me, whereby I'm socialising. A little bit with nicely. I'm socialising nicely uh, in an, uh, a sort of a relatively unrestrained way with people I actually work with. You know, having nice conversations in the office, and um, and so I'm actually having to do that quick, like appropriateness check mm. when something occurs to me to say. I'm having to do a little bit of uh, a, li- a little bit of. Um, a, a diagnostic check on whether or not it's uh, it's something that was a discussion at work with people that I shouldn't really share, and it's not it's not usual because most of the conversations I have, most of the time when I say oh, I was talking to someone the other day, I mean I eavesdropped 
on a mm. conversation on Twitter between two people who have more friends than I do. That's that's normally what I'm oh. what I'm doing. Oh, if, if I was so inclined, I'd feel bad for you. I've um I've managed to uh, quite by accident. I've managed to contrive it so that uh, at least every now and then. Uh, John and John and Jane come and talk to me for a podcast. Yeah, I saw they both made it for your, uh, We Have Issues this week. That was nice. And it was it was only supposed to be a it was only supposed to be a really short recording that I'd cut in with some stuff we recorded last week. And but it was just so nice to be in a room mm. with them again that I uh, neither of them's really on Twitter. So even though they're just around the corner, um, it's like they don't exist. It's like a in metaphor my life for, for death. periods of time. It's more like a metaphor for my life, really. Yeah, I suppose. That's that's uh, friendship and socialising and. My um, <sighs> I well, like my wife and kids though, so that's good. My um, I'm very lucky that I think I've spoken before where I work. I find I'm you know I'm really well supported and stuff. I was talking to my oh. boss the other day. He suggested at some point I should be um, sponsored to complete a degree of some description. What are you doing? Uh, are you changing? What do you mean? Am I changing? What, what were you doing then? There were all sorts of noises. Are you doing some crafting? Oh, well, funny you should mention the crafting. Um, I'm doing uh, quite a lot at the moment. I'm, I've really got back into making models. I'm, I'm kind of, but I'm back into it in the way that I always get into stuff. I am uh-huh. entirely obsessed by it. It is all I'm thinking about 24-7. When I'm not sat down working on a model kit, I'm in the bedroom watching videos showing you how to make model kits oh or i'm thinking about what i'd like to buy to complement the tools i have for making models it, it's it's got really bad again i'm doing so a, that... i'm doing an enterprise at the moment uh-huh is that what you were doing is that what you're doing just now then were you saying no, something down an and oh, when right. you said, are we changing? It's like, I love the way that we've always said we don't mention the fact that we're lizard people on any of our podcasts. <laughs> and then you just blurt it out. <laughs> At least forewarn me. We don't. Me you know, it hadn't gonna... occurred to me we keep really quiet about that. At least forewarn me before you're going to pull me out of the lizard cupboard. But yeah, so he said to me, um, well, you know, it does take, it, it takes up a lot of your time. You know, you're going to have to. You're going to have to think about your outside interests. And then I sort of started thinking about my outside interests. And it's, I'm, I'm tumbling into the most creative year I've had doing podcasts and that sort of thing I've had since we started doing it. And someone's there saying, well, well you know, you have to cut back. I'm, I'm like, yeah, well, how, mu- how much more money could I potentially earn in my career that's worth me cutting back on something I'm really enjoying in my outside life? It's, um, it's very, distracting because you did a chat did you see that my brain completely froze but I'm, I'm, i thought it was the noise of me moving across over there to no, do it no no, no you did oh. a chat and all of a sudden my because it is funny and i'm very pleased with myself i'm not really i'm not really making anything at the moment i'm barely struggling mm. to make the stuff i mean it, it's nice being in in the in that writing group and i managed mm. to get something written that's cool. Last week, the first thing in a while, and I didn't really like it, but other people were nice about it, so that was good. It already more validation because in the first year of Elephant Words, yeah. people did give a little bit of feedback to each other, but then after that, everyone just like went in their own lane, and yeah. I didn't really manage to form the community. You see, that's the problem. Um, is I am the whatever is going on in my brain 
it's a mess of really I don't think they're necessarily necessarily contradictions, but it's a mess of um strong positions that uh aren't necessarily compatible with each other. And in this case I, I understood that a community would be a beneficial thing. A writing like a, a writing community would be a beneficial thing. Um nobody else was gonna do it, so I tried to set it up, but I'm also hilariously not equipped to be the person setting up a community. That's elephant words, I mean. And, and I, I always, and, I think, isn't it, isn't it the tragedy, though, of a human being that yearns a hippie lifestyle, yet doesn't have any of the skills to be able to survive in a hippie community? That, I, I, think, I, th- I think that's you. No, I think I'm the... <laughs> do you really think that's me? No. Was that a joke? Yeah. I am... Um, I I I thought I'd really like hippies. I was lucky enough to meet someone who was very idealistic and, and intelligent and stuff in my sixth form. And um and and Did they, I'm really Can I guess? I'm, who? Were they actually a bastard and let you down? No 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 no. Um the the uh no, I'm actually very glad to um have like reconnected with them on Facebook. It's a, oh, it's a chap who was the year above me in um a year above me in the sixth form, and he was he was kind of he worked at the the uh, uh, little independent record shop that I used to go to, and oh, cool. and um but um also he was sort of to the extent that it was possible to be in our in our particular lane. I guess he was quite um idealistic, and uh, well, no, you could be idealistic, but he was relatively active and 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 stuff like that um and so um early on i thought maybe yeah no that's pretty cool i don't i don't really feel that strongly about any of this stuff but maybe that's something uh you know i don't i don't know if this is a sign of uh this is a sign of any of the stuff we uh we hilariously discuss me not having um but I would. Yeah. I, do, I didn't. I didn't really. I didn't really necessarily. I had lots of thoughts and lots of opinions, but there wasn't anything I really felt strongly invested in yeah. at all. And so I used to. If there was someone who I liked, who um, who I broadly agreed with, but they cared, but they were more passionate than me, I would tend to imprint on them a little bit and and think, yeah, I mean, maybe I could be idealistic. This is something I could I could maybe do. Yeah. And then the first crusties I met when um when I was in Southampton, absolute pricks. Yeah. Like probably the most selfish um well they were like the classic uh Smug. the classic Yeah, the classic white middle class um Trust fund gen- generation X yeah. Generation X activist who's all about building bridges. And to be honest I on the one hand um, I am definitely prone to, you know, I'm definitely capable of. I'm definitely capable of getting an idea in my head. I'm definitely capable of having bias. But on the other hand, I have I have wanted to meet other idealists, mm. and uh, for the most part, they've all kind of been pricks. They've all kind of been like those two. It turns out the really nice one I met in the sixth form was pretty much in the minority. I was going to say, oh, well, I see myself as an idealist, and I realised how ridiculous those words sounded coming out of my mouth. 
You're about as idealistic as someone as dramatically mentally unhealthy yeah. as you are. Yeah, I mean, I, I, possibly I, I'm be. optimistic with a really heavy dose of nihilism. I mean, it's... Yeah. Is nihilism like you believe all the things that Neil off the young ones... Yeah, no, I'm a big have... fan of Neil Young, yeah. Right. Was that Neil Young on the young ones? Yep. Not Neil Young ones, of course. Yeah. How did I not realise that before? I'm a fucking idiot. Well, you know, yeah. Uh, did you have anything else to talk about? Yeah, I've been learning new skill sets. So I'm doing. I've got lots on at the moment. I've been doing a lot of uh, video uh, uh, work. Have you? I've been, yeah, I've been. I, I've been presenting some videos. Um, I'm what? Working, <clears throat> yeah. At work I'm, is this? No, 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 no. This is um, at home. I'm. Uh, we've got a. Uh, I guess an a acquaintance for you. He's a, a become quite a, a good friend. Um, a guy called Ed, who, uh, amongst other things, designs games. Oh, really? I've known him for a lot longer than I've known you, actually. Yeah. But yeah, and um, he has designed a game uh, that's uh, essentially it's a mega game. So do you know what a mega game is? Is it like a really big game? It is, yeah. It's like a, it's like with lots of people involved. It's like a big role play game with lots of people involved at one time, right? Um, and uh, it's a game called Alchemy, and we've been recording some video shorts explaining how the game works. Um, and he's oh. been having me present those, so we've been doing that. Um, they should be. So, if you're a friend of mine, you might have seen that I've been um, inviting people to like the Facebook page that we've set up and so forth. I so, am a friend of yours, and I liked that. Yeah, um, well, Steve Bishop did the artwork for it, which is lovely, isn't it? Oh, yeah, mm. it is. I like that. I wondered if it was you. So, also, what we might what we might be doing in the, the coming months is running a test event, um, which will, I believe, be free to attend. So, we might be asking people if they'd like to come and join us while we run a test event before um, an actual proper to goodness paid one goes ahead in the autumn oh so people have to come so hang on so it's not like a so it's the actual game is the game is the you see i saw that you had the page and i saw there was lots mm. of art on it and i liked it but i didn't read any further is it like there is nothing there, further there to read at the moment it, it's going to be yeah uh, so uh ed calls it a persistent turn-based game so essentially um when you come along to it you're going to be a player character and your player character will belong to a nation that existed in 18th century in uh, 18th century Europe, um, and uh, each of these nations will be in different rooms in a in a local hotel, uh, like conference rooms, not uh, individual hotel rooms. It's not a sex game, right? And the idea I'm of the game. I'm not entirely convinced. I believe you, but okay. And the idea of the game uh, is essentially to gather resources. Uh, and substances, and to try and transmute those substances into gold. And there's actually a, a, a prize of gold for the person or persons who um, who managed to come up with that formula first. Um, it's not right. something you'd be able to do in one day, so you have to attend many events. It's all it's all very clever and all very exciting. What's the over-under on this, and how much are you cut in for? Um, well, <laughs> I don't know. Uh Nothing. I'll be doing it for free because I'm enjoying it. Um, for Ed, it's a full-time job. Oh, so what about his full-time job? No, this is his full-time job at the moment. Oh, people can do that. 
uh, well, only if he successfully sells some tickets uh, very shortly. So um, we're we're hoping to get all this promotional stuff done, so people feel like they want to uh, sign up, buy a ticket, and come along to the first event. Well, good luck to him and to you. Mm, no, it's I think, it's, I think it's it... a lot of fun. We've been spending an awful lot of time together working on different bits and bobs, and I'm really, really enjoying it. It's thoroughly exciting to be part of. I think I might have met Ed doing live roleplay, like uh, Vampire Live Roleplay, Vampire mm. the Masquerade. Well, Ed, Ed's also going to, because um, we're going to be doing a Dungeons & Dragons podcast soon, and Ed's going to DM it, so which I'm rather pleased about. Who who else is going to do it? It's going to be James, Steve, Nick, and myself. Who? Which Nick? My Nick. Oh, your Nick. Okay, in, good. In her podcast debut, oh, so it's going to be. She must have been on one of ours, mustn't she? Maybe briefly, her voice has been heard. I think. Um, but yeah, we thought it'd be quite good fun because I played D and D some like twenty years ago now. Uh, James, Steve, and Nick are entirely new to it. And um, we Ooh. thought it might be quite good fun to sort of hear them learning the game. That does sound like fun. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna record the first one soonish. Ed's got a lot to think about in terms of this alchemy at the moment, but once that's all done and dusted, um, we're gonna crack on with that. And tomorrow night, I'm gonna mm-hmm. record the first three episodes of a new podcast called Hello Newman with um, with Steve. Oh um, right, okay. Which so is that's... gonna. That's going to be a Seinfeld commentary series. Oh, tell me how that would work, because I've never heard about it before. <laughs> really? Is this the first time you've heard about this? Um, yeah. So, essentially, it's going to be... We're going to keep it to about 25 minutes. Uh, uh-huh. Steve and I are going to watch the uh, Seinfeld shows episodically, from season one pilot all the way to the, the finale. And we will basically provide a commentary of sorts on the on the show as it goes. But we wanna it's gonna be kept quite tight. Tight. Yeah, because I wanna prove to myself that I can make nice little twenty five minute podcasts. I want I yeah, I mean it's you that you need to prove it to. I believe you can do that. Oh thank you. As long as you don't let you um you um uh uh be too self indulgent. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think Steve would keep me on the straight and narrow. Yeah, I think he's quite he he'd be mm. able to do that. He's quite straight and yeah. narrow, so that's good. And I've never done a podcast with Steve before, so I'm thoroughly looking forward to it. Yeah, it's good. It's good, and mm. um, if you can convince him that it won't get done properly, otherwise, mm. uh, he'll probably edit it for you as well. Oh no, Jeez. no, 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 no. This Are is this is this is my little job. And t- yeah, but to be honest with you, it's all done in one, isn't it? You know. <laughs> So, unless we make an awful ricket, there should be no there should be no real editing. What's ricket? <clears throat> uh, a fuck up. Oh, do you know I've not heard that. There's a um, there's a comedian called Michael Che who I wanted to mention earlier on. We watched his full show the other day. I've I've shared on Facebook and Twitter. I've shared his bit on Black Lives Matter before. Okay. I think he's um, on SNL at the moment. He might be there. Um, you know they have at least one black person on Saturday Night Live at, at, in, at any given season. I thought it was Keenan or Kel was on there at the moment. Do you mean Keenan? Do you mean Keenan or Kel? Are you talking yeah. about Key or Peel? No, he wasn't in Keen. Ke, uh, or what's it called now? What's his name? There's he was Keenan. in that program, wasn't he? Didn't they work in an ice cream store? 
I don't know. He was I don't think that... that's Michael Che. Maybe it is. I don't no, know. No, not Michael Che, but um, Ke- Keenan. Yeah, he does. Um, he does uh, Obama's anger translator. He's but he's been in Saturday Night Live for a long time now, hasn't he? Has he? I thought he only came in for odd guest bits. I they, they do I Obama and stuff like that. I don't that. watch SNL because I don't bit torrent. I don't know. Is is it not on like Netflix or something by now? I've never. I've, I don't no. really watch it. I only. Um, I in fact, I kind of stopped listening to. I kind of stopped listening to WTF when um, I. Um, it was it's one of the you, when you listen to lots of Mark Maron's WTF, uh, you almost start to lose track of who he's talking to because his questions. If there's someone who has ever been on Saturday Night Live, he essentially has the exact same conversation there's with them a, every single time. If you use the Earwolf app, um, there uh-huh. is a collection of lawn stories from WTF, so they kind of curate. All of the the Lord Michael's obsessed podcasts all into one, culminating with him actually sitting down and talking to. Him. I mean, it's kind of fascinating actually because it is like this is a man who finally, after a lot of years, is getting some some decent success. You know, Mark Maron is doing quite well, but that's yeah. clearly his white whale. Yeah, oh, you know, absolutely. He's he's just he can't understand, and I think deep down he must know that it was something he did, or it was about him, not about Lord Michaels. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's but he is just obsessed with that. That's the one thing he really, really wanted that he didn't nail. Did you ever see? Because um, it's more about it's more your speed because it's about um, chat uh, chat shows like late night American chat shows. But did you ever see the? I think it was three parts of the Louis. Um, the Louis C.K. series. He did, he did three a three parter, which he didn't normally do. Right in the middle of it, which was all about a, a period in the, um, I think it was maybe the early nineties when he was, he was. Uh, they were talking about David Letterman leaving. Okay, no, I haven't. I, I think it was David Letterman, and he was actually um, up for it. Oh wow! But it sort of turns out. I think it. I think it's pretty true to like what's oh, no, on the show. Oh no, in the early nineties, would this have been when David Letterman was switching to um, the? He was with NBC. Is it the CBS show? He I'm went not on sure. To do, so he, pre- he he used to do the show that became Conan O'Brien's late night show um, because Leno got the job after Carson left. And Letterman was touted to get the the Carson gig, so when he didn't get that gig, he moved over to CBS, I think, and did his late night show that went up against Leno, and then Conan O'Brien took um, Letterman's slot on NBC, didn't he? So maybe that that's what could have been what Louis C.K. was up for. Well, because I think the um, because of because of Louis C.K.'s age and the period it it was. It was sort of set in. I think it must have been more recent than that. And it okay. And and but the thing about it is, it was um, it turned out to all be like a a strategic thing, and I and I think that was true. It was all a bit of a he was basically he was basically used as a pawn to renegotiate um, Letterman or someone else's contract. Right. Um. It's um. And I might be completely wrong about which show it was, but it was definitely one of those big ones. I'm I'm thinking it must have been Letterman. 
Mm. And um, it it was it wasn't very funny, to be honest. A lot of the time that show wasn't uh, was weirdly not very funny. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, not weirdly. I think deliberately, uh, d- deliberately, um, uh, sort of just just trying to be like a, an honest examination of something rather than um, rather Quite than actually. Yeah, it isn't. It isn't really that mm. sort of a sitcom. It isn't really a laugh a minute sitcom. Oh, Louis takes advantage of an incredible opportunity on the Tonight Show and gets a potential job offer afterwards that could change his life. And there's a guy in it playing Jay Leno. There's all sorts of. Oh no, actually, it was Jay Leno. Um, oh, I bet he was good as him. Yeah, I think he was all right. Um, no, that doesn't. Unfortunately, oh, hang on. No, there's no trivia on that episode. But it was like. It was it was literally they really strung him along. They sent him along for training because he was a bit sort of not not really yeah, it was for David Letman's job. And actually it's really weird because David Lynch is in those three part it is in that three parter. Okay. As the as the guy who is brought in to um sort of train him up. Oh right. And it's and it's very strange because it's David Lynch. David Lynch's job is to pep him up because he's obviously not got the confidence to go out and deliver the monologue and all of that and but do the he, interviews and stuff like that. Does he play it as David Lynch? Yeah, pretty much. Brilliant. That's not the he's not the character. You know, he he his name isn't David Lynch. No, but he but yeah, plays it as David Lynch because that's what David Lynch plays when he plays yeah. it, isn't it? Brilliant. Almost uh, almost no intonation to anything he says. Yeah. He just keeps telling Louis, "No, nope, no, nope, it's got to be got to be more fun." And so now <laughs> Bit, yeah, I think so. It's yeah, just good. so so surreal. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, you should watch. Even if you don't watch any of the rest of Louis, that three part was interesting because I think it turned out like they were using him as some sort of bargaining chip to either get uh, like Letterman was actually jockeying for more money, or they wanted to get Seinfeld. But Seinfeld was like gonna ask them for too much or something like that so they literally just used him as a bargaining chip Brilliant. but he didn't know that he doesn't know that through the three-parter he thinks it's the the best um like uh the best uh uh opportunity of his life that he's fucking up brilliant which is pretty intense which actually probably comes back to the mark Marin thing because that's the that's the weird thing isn't it the lawn michaels thing it does sound a little bit like there are a lot of hoops to jump through and you don't entirely know how you've done. Yeah. Even if you get the job, you still don't yeah. quite know no, how you've done. I was going to say that seems like it's the hardest thing of, of that in that industry. But then I think back to, to all the things I've done. And, you know, it, if you don't get the job, you don't know how you've done. <laughs> I mean, you can guess, but, um, you know... I don't think other industries are any better at giving feedback when you fail. No, that's true. That's true. Um, but Michael, uh, yeah, the Michael Che... I, I, uh, I guess it's the number of jobs you have, isn't it? So the rejection comes more frequently. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, I think that Mark Maron's career has been... Um, uh, there are a lot of years there lived in obscurity. Like, he's older than us. He's like... 10 years older than us mm. his entire job has been about trying to entertain people trying to become known and really only happened in the last few years of the podcast yeah but he's probably got a nice kitchen by now and he? he's doing all right that's that's pretty much i think uh what he's 
what he's using all the money for is is it is he using it to do up his kitchen? I've no idea, but I imagine he's got a nice one. I think he probably still lives in the same house he was in when he um because I know that when he interviewed Obama, was it last year or the year before, the Secret Service pretty much took over his street. Well, you'd expect that, though, wouldn't you? <laughs> and it's just recorded in his garage. Oh. oh I that know. guy. Oh, um, I can also recommend... I've been watching a show called Basket. Uh, Baskets? Now that I say it, it sounds ridiculous. I agree. It's a it's a show that should probably appeal to um to you, James. Oh. And and it definitely appeals to me. Again, it's I think it's another Louis C. K. um produced thing, but it stars Zach Galifianakis Ooh. as um he's he plays twins actually, but only one of the twins is um you're following one of the twins, his name is Chip Baskets and <laughs> he um he <laughs> That can't be right. Can that of course be right? His name's Chip Baskets, and his and his brother's called Dale. His twin brother's called Dale, um, and they're very different, but they're both complete assholes. Um, and Chip, Chip basically ran a, like went to clowning college in France because that was his lifelong dream. <laughs> Met a French woman that he fell in love with, who doesn't really love him. Kind of just married him on a whim. And um, and came back to America with him, and now he's got to try and uh, uh, try and get by. Um, he's madly in love with this woman who really doesn't like him. She just used him as a way to get to America. His mother. It's really really weird. Um, and the second season's on at the moment. His mother's played by a, a a comedian called Louis Anderson. Okay. And I was trying to explain it to someone. Uh, I was trying to explain it to someone today because it was a it was a lecturer who's um who's uh, uh her expertise is um in like gender studies and sociology and stuff like that. And this is a 63-year-old uh comedic actor, Louis Anderson, um who just who plays uh, Zach Galifianakis's mum in this show, but it isn't they aren't trans it isn't played as a joke like she's quite a ridiculous character she's a bit old and republican and um, the episode i just watched uh, ronald reagan was her guy <laughs> yeah sort of thing so she goes to the ronald reagan um thing she's quite sort of she's she is quite a sad and ridiculous character but it's never played for laughs that she's played by a man okay and you spend the whole, I think I spent the first couple of episodes thinking, well, but I don't, are they, is this, is this, a, is this a, a joke? Like, it's not a Mrs. Brown's Boys type thing. And it's not a transphobic joke or anything like that. And then I, I realized when I started watching the, um, watching the new season, it just doesn't, I just don't. I barely even notice now. Brilliant. The thing that's noticeable is that you realise while you're watching, while you're watching her, the the second season so far has been um, even. There have been even fewer sort of like gags, um, but it's there's been so much bathos. Is that right, bathos or pathos? Aramis. They're two different things: pathos and porphos and athos. I need to look it up now. Um, 
it's one of those shows that I'd really like to recommend to people, but I don't. I I don't understand how it works on me even even. So it's too ridiculous to be a straight drama, but it's like it's too sad and sort of like often quite pathetic and heartbreaking to really be funny but it isn't like cringe humor either i bet zach galifianakis has a real talent for that too for the non-joke joke there's there's a weird yeah. tragic stillness to him. <laughs> yeah no exactly and i think i mean I think maybe if not for him at the middle of this, I, I maybe wouldn't have really got it mm. and stuck with it. But it's, um, yeah, it's, and it's not like Louis. It's, it's got a similar sort of, um, it's got a similar sort of mu- muted aesthetic and yeah. sort of very flat color palette to Louis. But, um, but it is, it is very different. It feels much more scripted and stuff. Um, uh, Bathos, uh, especially in a literary work, an effective anticlimax created by an unintentional lapse in mood from the sublime uh, to the trivial or ridiculous. So actually, it's got pathos and bathos. I'm going to look up pathos. Has it, but not has, Aramis. No, yeah, but can, can we confirm how many of the musketeers it's got? A quality that evokes pity or sadness is pathos. And bathos is like... It's like... It's like bathos is like pathos... But it becomes a bit ridiculous. Now they're starting to sound like Greek islands. So I think we're more like... Uh, well, Pathos is a place in Cyprus. So um, it's where my parents lived when, when they were still over there. Um, uh, yeah, so actually, I think we're Bathos. I, I think haven't. we're quite pathetic. Uh, I, do you know I feel pathetic? I think there have been points. You know when you were like properly mentally ill... <laughs> like you were you were you were right you were right in the middle of it and 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 it was it, yeah. and it was it was just sad it it was quite sad yeah. at, like most of the time um i think we were it was more pathos then sure but now i think we've turned a corner into bathos oh yeah and um and i'm i'm hoping that at some point in the future we could be more like i don't know friends or big bang theory or two and a half men whatever they are Hilarious, yeah. or um, six Luke feet Tuff. under. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Six I, feet under. I met a very jolly Undertaker last week. How I, do you um, know when he's finished? Sorry, I, go on. <laughs> I quite, I quite often have to walk past the mortuary, which uh-huh. suits me. Right, and uh, oh, I, I got a glimpse in and saw the. The big grey bags they put you in. It's very depressing. But um, yeah. uh, I walked past and there was an undertaker waiting to go in for a pickup. And he was very good. Gave me a very good Good morning. I thought, how can you be that fucking jolly when you're here to pick up a dead person? And then you're going to have to go back to work and you're going to have to put all sorts of fluids up them and tart them up all nice for their funeral. And you're just surrounded by it all day, every day. How is that not completely crushing? Well, I guess on a daily basis, well, on a minute-to-minute basis, you get mm. to see how much worse it could be. No, how much worse it will be. Yes, well, yes. Mm. Well, except I imagine they see people in, like, 
like who aren't just dead, who awful, awful things have happened to them. <laughs> Not just dead. I yeah, Not I suppose. just dead. Their death was compounded by something terrible beforehand. Oh, I watch this thing. See, I get suckered into this. Watch this thing on Facebook where this old boy's singing to his his dying wife in hospital. Oh, oh, god! And you could just you could see the life ebbing out of her. Oh, oh, it's not good. What? Why is it people keep posting that stuff? It's why like, do you watch them? Well, it. Turned up my feed and then I got grabbed very quickly because they're designed to do that to you. But it's like the people who keep posting these things, and I always sort of say one of the symptoms of my uh, depression was always like I'm I'm possessed by crippling amounts of empathy to the point where I I you know people always say oh I cry like a baby when I'm I'm watching Comet Relief or something like that, but like literal uncontrolled sobbing till I just cannot stop myself just these waves of crashing painful empathy to the point where i'm not thinking about the situation these people are in i'm thinking about my completely out of control emotions which is kind of counterintuitive because i should be thinking about the people in a worse situation than me so so maybe it goes all the way through empathy uh to self-obsession well you're gonna think this is just me being difficult yeah. But actually, this is something that I've always found that's actually quite mm. important to me. Um, I think you're talking about sympathy. Yeah, I yeah. Think. Yeah, possibly. Sympathy is when you put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Mm. Um, and empathy is when you imagine being that somebody else, if that makes sense. They're, they're quite, they're subtly different. Yeah, I think they no, can you're be. Right. no, it is sympathy because I'm not imagining being. Because if it was me in that position, I'd think, well, fuck him, he deserves it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm really confused, but um, but um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I uh, I found uh, that Michael Che video um because I was following a, a link that someone posted on on Twitter. But that was funny. You see, it made me laugh. He has a thing about Black Lives Matter. He says, "Really, that's where we're starting the negotiations." Brilliant. Black Lives Matter. And people are like, well, I'm not sure about that. And um, and and he has other material. He has material about how white women are fearless, uh, which is which is really a whole section on um, gentrification, I think. Um, a lot of stuff on the N word. He calls it the N word, so I don't feel um, um, like I'm I'm being mealy mouthed. But um, and and he's very funny. I like him. Good. Good. He's good. You should watch him. He's a very good stand up. What else? There was an, a lady, uh, there was um, a Muslim lady from the, an outspoken Muslim lady from the Bronx. I was watching her today. There's a lady called, I think her name's Kiara, but I hadn't heard of her before, lip syncing to I'm Every Woman. Um, <laughs> but she's really heavily, I think she's, she's absolutely, she's absolutely gorgeous. And she's heavily, heavily pregnant. And this is clearly just in her house. And she's lip syncing and then she does a little dance routine. And there's, I swear, there's a jump that she does onto her sofa um, at that just before she does something cute with her son um, that I that looked like witchcraft. Brilliant. I'm not sure you or I would stand a chance of doing this so gracefully and we aren't however heavily pregnant this lady was. So that was like, this is all the, like, I saw a thing about Adele um, 
accepting her Grammy by saying there's absolutely no way anyone except Beyonce should have won this Grammy. Brilliant. Which is which is not how award ceremonies seem to go these no. days. Obviously, award ceremonies are pretty much all white people getting awards, but they don't normally um, they don't normally do anything except say yes, yes. Um, I and all of the other white people who worked on this with me definitely deserve yes. Yeah, because we've been brought up to believe that. See you later. Bye-bye. Nick, um... I think Adele might be a good egg. Yeah, I think you could be right. Nick, because we haven't got anything to, sh- anything to say tonight, you should probably do the introduction and then allow me to go and take my medication. All right, sure. Yes, uh, this is Two Grand Men. It's a podcast about being uh, 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 men. Pretty, we haven't really talked about our kids very much at all. It's mainly about being parents, but normally it's about just being pathetic and pathetic, apparently. Um, I'm Nick. You can find me on Twitter at Nick site. Uh, James is James. Hi, yeah. And you can find him on Twitter at uh, James Mob M O M B. You can also find Two Grown Men on Twitter at Two GM Pod, or you can find it on Facebook. Uh, there's a Facebook page that's Two Grown Men. Uh, you should be able to search for it. You can listen to all of our previous episodes at twogrownmen.net. That's all one word, but it's the number two. Um, and you can subscribe to us and rate and review us at your podcatcher of choice, uh, of course. There are quite often extensive show notes for each episode. I've been incredibly lazy recently because um, the world is ending. And let's not pretend there's any point to any of it, really, anyway. Uh, speaking of g you up, uh, with optimism about the future and um and uh and and the uh the complete pointlessness of supporting anyone who's making anything because we'll all be dead soon uh, this is patreon supported uh, you can support <laughs> us you can support us uh you can contribute if you like what we do you can contribute to uh, uh, uh us um, to support us of as little or as much as you like um, it's monthly, monthly, it's in dollars, it's at patreon.com forward slash TOTP and it supports this and its sort of sister podcast. Um, we have issues. Uh, but if you don't want to give money, please just tell us, uh, but you do want to sort of support us, give us a bit of moral support or whatever. Please do just, um, just tell us what you think in one of those various venues or in the comments for this episode. You can also, um, Tell your friends about us if you think they'll like us. I know it's not as easy as say, oh, you know, he's a he's a. It looked like he was going to be a completely washed up comedian, but then he started interviewing people um, uh, uh, on podcasts, uh, and and now he interviews really cool musicians and stuff. Not often uh, comedians anymore, but musicians. And he once interviewed Obama or um, like the regular features guys. They do actual sketches and prepared stuff uh, in each weekly episode. Um, comedy bang bang they've kind of got their thing where they do characters I know we're a more difficult sell than those listen out for my new podcasts coming out this year on the other 10% oh yeah also listen out for all of James's uh, cool podcasts that I mean I don't really get to talk to him very often anymore but at least we've still got this I suppose yeah let's see let's see how long I commit to all of those well, you're you're really committed to them right now, and yeah, but and that's being, what's important. <laughs> being committed at the beginning's easy, isn't it? Yeah, it's the long haul that's hard. The long haul. <laughs> um. Oh. Uh, um. Um. And if you don't want to support us, just just go on Twitter and talk shit about Piers Morgan. That's what I've been doing an awful lot recently. Oh yeah, no, it you makes you feel 
Makes you feel yeah. better than you'd think. Always talk shit about Piers Morgan. No one deserves it more. He's a cock end though, isn't oh, he? Oh, yeah, I like my cock end though. Do you like your cock end? Yeah. See, I don't like mine. Oh, no, I'm all right with mine. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Um, also, um, if, you, uh, if you're enjoying uh, my little uh, uh, tweets that I've been sending out for the Two Grown Men account um, on uh, as we've been recording, tell me and we'll, we'll do more of them. This week it's mainly been... Uh, well, James hasn't seen them, so I'll, I'll let him learn about them. I won't spoil it for him. Oh. Don't worry, oh, it's not at your expense. There's a little Spider-Man. Yeah, I've been taking lots of photos of it. Nice. I think so. Um, shall we go, James? Yeah, let's go. Uh, thank you for listening, listener. Thank you for talking to me, James. Um, thank you, Nick. And um, and um, thank you for still being my friend. Oh, you, oh that's no, the, that genuinely the, is my pleasure. That now I've got now that I work with people who are nice, um, and I get on really well with them. I think I mentioned this before. Um, I find it easier uh, being around people who, like, at work who aren't nice because now I care what they think of me. Oh. Having having friends whose opinions you care about, that's why it's good that I don't see you very often oh. because I can just assume things are going okay until the next time I see you. Things are going but, um, fine, mate. I mean, between us, I don't care about what's going on in your life. No, no, absolutely. Things are always fine between us, mate. Good. Good, that's what I like to hear. Of that you can be sure. Right, I will catch you on the flip-flop bit. Good, buddy. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.